Hi there. You're listening to the Parent App Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. While there are no perfect families, every relationship can turn the corner. Hello and welcome to the Parent Podcast. My name is June Yong and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life and more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. We've all yelled at our children. We've hurt their feelings from time to time. None of us are perfect as parents. Yet how many actually take the extra step to own our mistakes and apologize to our children? That's what we are going to find out more today with our guests, Mark and Sue Lin. Mark and Sue are educators and counsellors. They run a training consultancy, The Social Quotient, which conducts training on life skills such as parenting, mental wellness, and special needs. Mark and Sue also homeschool their two boys, age 11 and 9. They also co-write a parenting blog called Parenting on Purpose. Welcome to the show, Mark and Sue. Uh, would you like to share a little bit about yourselves, what your day job entails or what your average uh, day looks like? Hi, June. Um, yeah, thanks for having us on the show. Well, my day job is quite unique because I run my own business. So uh, on day-to-day, it, I mean, currently under the COVID situation, I, I work from home. It would depend on um, any engagement I would have uh, on a day-to-day basis, whether it's a virtual workshop or whether it's uh, back-end work, writing proposals, bearing for financial claims and things like that. And in between, sometimes I would prepare lunch, sometimes I would prepare uh, dinner, uh, and um, my kids are also uh, at home as well. So it's uh, it's different on a day-to-day basis. For myself, I used to be a teacher, yeah, educator, and then I moved on to a full-time school counsellor in school. Right now, I'm the cook, the cleaner, the, the mommy, <laughs> the homeschool teacher. <laughs> the mornings uh, mostly are taken up with school, then rushing for lunch, and then the afternoons, we do have our activities. Of course, now with COVID, it's a little bit different. Yeah, but I do spend 24-7 with the kids, so there's plenty of room to make mistakes and apologise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for being so candid, Sue. And that's exactly the conversation topic that we're going to have today, apologising to our kids. Now, before we do a deep dive into the conversation, I really have to ask both of you this. Do you make it a point to apologize to each other in your marriage? How do you say you're sorry? Well, definitely. And um, this happens whenever there's a a quarrel. But in the heat of the moment, we'll just say, okay, um, let's just take some time out. We don't want to discuss this at this point in time. So let's just chill. And then subsequently, we would then revisit the subject again and say, you know, hey, you know, just now, about, about just now, I'm so sorry I said this. So it, there was a circuit breaker last year and then COVID as well. So we are in very close proximity. I would like to say actually it did not affect us as much as others because we were already all spending a lot of time together in the first place. But I think mm-hmm. with the boys' uh, activity sometimes cancelled now, 
because of the guidelines and so on, we are we find we are in even closer proximity. And sometimes I find in a marriage, the more you talk about the loaded topic, the more heated the discussion can be. So like mm-hmm. Mark says, it's just to just say, okay, let's not uh, carry on uh, to the point where it becomes illogical or just very emotional. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I have learned through this whole thing is, hey, there's nobody who's perfect. I am far from it. I think just that in a marriage, somehow the negative points of each other are highlighted more just because you are the spectator, the main spectator in the, in the whole arena. And so I'm constantly reminded I am not perfect. I'm also constantly reminded that the flaws I see in my partner are also sometimes his strengths as well. Mm. Yeah, and to mm. be thankful for those things that I can see. Those are very uh, wise words indeed. Being able to take a time out when things are too tense and heated and also recognizing that the flaws could also be a strength. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you brought up. Owning up to our mistakes by apologizing is important at any age, right? As, as we shared earlier. Um, and it's a reality check for us when we ourselves realize how difficult it is to put our pride aside and to take that first step towards reconciling with our children. But it's worthwhile, right? You know, making that effort modeling the humility even when it's uncomfortable could you share with us you know whether it's your home experience or through your counseling experience what are the main benefits actually of making an apology like a normal way of life in at home well the children know that we quarrel <laughs> and they also know that uh we we make up that we apologize to each other i mean you can see it's modeling but i mean it's not even modeling for us. It's just part of what we feel is important. We feel that marriages must be strong. If we want to have a strong family, we need to have a strong marriage first. And so the relationship between husband and wife has to be a strong one uh, in the first place. And so we, we do that. They know that that's important. And so when we make mistakes doing something with the children, we will also apologize to them. It's just part of um, being... Uh, being a family. I mean, family, we we recognize that we are not perfect as uh, Sue has mentioned earlier on. And, and if we're not perfect, then in a sense, we would be expected to make mistakes, right? Uh, oftentimes, I've realized that it's about expectations. A lot of arguments or quarrels will be about expectations. And if we are able to better understand about expectations, uh, what each of us expects of each other, I feel that will go better for everyone and uh, more cordial or a smoother relationship with each other. Understanding expectations and needs of our family members are indeed at the central part of this. Sue, do you have any thoughts to add? Benefits of saying sorry? I think that studies have really shown that children thrive the most when they are in a safe environment. It may sound very simple, but love kind of undergirds everything. And there's really power in unconditional love. So I remember our older son very early on, he would try to test the scenario. So he said, if I do this, will you still love me? Then he'll name another example. If I do this, how about if I do that? You know, do you still love me? After a while, I got a bit tired, like replying to him, because son, you should know that I love you. But actually, he really needed to know very specifically. And after a few months, he said, so mommy, if I do anything, you will still love me. And I mean, research has shown that love actually undergirds even things like learning. Children cannot learn if they don't feel safe. 
And so, so a lot of parents I've worked with, the educator, they say, you know, how come my child is not learning? And I think we are brought up in the Asian mindset. We need to be strict. We need to be stern. The more control we have over our child, the better parents we are, in a sense. We have more face in front of others. But I think you really cannot go wrong with too much love. And I mean, we've seen that we are also foster parents. How love heals like traumas even. Yeah, and so when children feel safe, I think we, we have this concept of showing grace at home. And so I'll tell our younger son if he's done something wrong. And I mean, he went through a period he was really struggling with things like telling the truth. And what he realized is that, yes, we needed him to confess. We needed him to fess up. But at the end of the day, we show him grace. Yeah, and I think when we model saying sorry, then we are giving them a chance to show us grace as well. And I think that is a very powerful thing because, yeah, people are not perfect. I think that's the undergirding principle. So in a family, the expectations, we will never live up to each other's expectations fully. And so the space to show grace to one another is actually a very powerful thing. Yeah, I wanted to just add on a little bit about what you said about a safe space. I think that's a very important concept in parenting as well as, as in counselling. You need to have a space where in a family context for the kids to just feel that they are comfortable, that we love them for who they are. We love them for regardless of whatever that they do. So it's unconditional love. And also it's a safe space where they can they can share uh, not only their, their strengths, things that they've done well, but also a place where they can just uh, tell us their struggles, uh, tell us that they're scared, tell us that... Uh, they are afraid and, and that we are there to be there with them, with that to mm. be the support, to be that safety net for them. And especially mm. at such a young age, uh, if there's no safety net, there's no support, that's when kids can actually face the greatest uh, struggles. Yeah, I really like what you said, you know, Mark and Sue, about creating this safe space for our children, such that even when they make mistakes or when they push the boundaries too much they know that they can just come to you and yeah and just mess up or, or show that they're sorry and at the end of the day they will be accepted they know that they will not be condemned or driven away i think this is so crucial like removing that fear from them any sort of a strong or harsh uh, discipline methods or punishment. We also mentioned a little bit about like identifying that emotions in them. I, I guess that is really a skill, right? Being able to understand themselves, what it is they were feeling that caused them to maybe lash out or, or behave in a, in a negative way. Yeah, that's really, really important. We call it emotional awareness in counselling terms. So I remember very early on, like just helping my older one understand a range of emotions. So it's not just I'm angry. I was frustrated. I was irritated. I was annoyed. Mm-hmm. And then also what causes it? So even from very young, I mean, they may not have been able to articulate, but after like a, a meltdown is over, then I say, oh, it looks like just now usually you were really hungry. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, mommy should have given you lunch on time but you know the schedule ran over so I realized after a while um, they will still have the meltdown but after that they could say you know actually just now I was actually feeling very tired or I was feeling hungry and I think that skill itself is sometimes what we adults we also lack (laughs) we don't know why we were so grouchy during that you know that meeting or whatever it is yeah we're glad to for them to be able to kind of like you said break down 
demo, break yeah, have an understanding of what caused the situation to happen. Just to add on, also about kids sometimes not being able to have the emotional vocabulary or the just being able to say what they really feel. So they may have a lot of things in their minds, but they may not have the capacity to speak. So, I mean, I, I remember an incident with our younger son, uh, this was a couple of years ago, where um, he was just huffing and puffing around. Like, hmm, 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 hmm. And so I said, are you angry? He said, hmm. Are you upset? Hmm. I'm so familiar, Mark. So familiar. <laughs> and then I said, oh, are you happy? Then he was, hmm. So I, I learned that using humor and just you know turning it around sometimes can actually diffuse the situation, brings down the anger level by fifty uh, percent, and easier to manage after that. Yeah, that's a good tip indeed. <laughs> using humor and trying to, well, not exactly make light of the situation, but you know just see the lighter side of things. But sometimes you know we. We, we as parents, we, we understand it's important to make the relationship right again or to make amends when we've done something wrong, you know, at home. But sometimes sorry is so hard to say. I even find myself saying things like, uh, I'm sorry, you know, but then you shouldn't have done this. <laughs> you, you knew that it would trigger something in us or in your brother. So it's not a proper apology because I'm still trying to like <laughs> sort of put the blame on him, right? On my daughter. Yeah, so why it's so hard to just stay in its purest form? I think our listeners would love to get more handles and more practical tips, you know, on how they can actually get our apologies right, you know, in making the child the central, the most important figure. I find it harder to say sorry to my husband than to say sorry to my children. That's true also. I mean, that's a good point of introspection. I think as parents also, we're always trying to drive at the learning point, you know, like, please uh, learn from this and don't do it again. <laughs> it's like there's so much you can be learning from from this and also I think still the feeling that oh, I'm right and I, I should be right because you live longer than you and, and I'm your parent and so on and so forth but I think we if we just respect our children as fellow human beings yeah I, I think that's that's the premise where it comes from and I mean none of us really likes it if a person says uh, okay, I'm sorry, but then dot dot dot. You did this. You did this. Then you say, hey, you know, my friend is not being genuine. Uh, you know, clearly it is the case. So I think sometimes it's just taking a deep breath <laughs> and doing it. But I mean, we we do know some of our friends have said that for the older generation, they have never had their parents apologize to them before, and I think it it has impacted them in some way. Because they were not looking for a huge like contrite apology, but just. Sometimes a simple sorry for things like, okay, I promised my older son I would cook his favourite sambal kangkong or what that night. And somehow because things turned around, we couldn't do it. He will say, thank you for saying sorry just now, mummy, for not being able to keep your promise. Yeah, and I will show you grace. So it, I think maybe if we start with the simpler issues, we practice with the simpler sorries first <laughs> before the before the big ones. That's very true. We start small, right? But just start somewhere. What if we are talking about a teen? There have been years of uh, misunderstanding, 
or lack of communication between the parent and the child, where a single word story may not actually make any difference or may even cause a backlash. How do we bridge that gap, you know, that has been built up over the years? As you're talking, I'm actually thinking of one of my clients who is in Asia and a, a blow-up that uh, this client had with the mother. He said something along those lines, why are you saying sorry again? You've been saying sorry all these years, but yet you keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I can't, I don't know, I don't understand why uh, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. How can I choose to forgive you? Because I remember something mm-hmm. along that line when I was talking to my client. The thing is that it's a fear. So the issue at hand was the parent kept feeling bad about doing something that uh, the teen was not happy. but mm-hmm. And so the parent said sorry. But after that, the parent regretted saying sorry and so went back again to doing something again. So I think it was a sense of control. So the parent felt that she couldn't give up control to the son. And there was a lack of trust because she says it was related to playing computer games and being able to stop to play computer games. I think Jody will be familiar with the whole uh, gaming addiction and all. <laughs> so she says, I, yes, I, I gave you this time and you promised me, but then you went back on your word. So how can I accept that again? So yeah, it, it went nowhere actually. So um, I mean, one thing in a systems theory is that if you want something to be different in a situation like that, mm-hmm. one party has to change. If in, in this case, it, it was a tension between the son and the mom. So I, I told the mom, I mean, if you if, you, if this is a situation, uh, it will forever be like that un, until you make one change. And so then it's mm-hmm. up to the to the person that you're talking to whether they, they want to change. Uh, yeah, in essence, if uh, if I'll be talking to parents of a teenager, I'll just say, think of one thing you can do differently and let's see where that leads you. And I think if this thing that they decide on is an achievable outcome, so it's something pre-agreed on, perhaps the mom or dad can change the way they address the, the gaming habit at that moment, you know, rather than opening up the door, yelling at the child and just it escalating. The child could say, you know, maybe you could say it nicely or you could just tell me there's 15 more minutes. So whatever is pre-agreed on and then they just work on that I mean it may not it will not be overnight but again mm-hmm. you know that's sometimes what the assignments are that we set for our clients that are achievable yeah mm-hmm. and then hopefully over time the child will realise yeah you know there hasn't been so much shouting from my dad or mom because these mm-hmm. are cycles that we kind of repeat uh, without knowing yeah and um, mm-hmm. yeah, like Mark says if there's no change it will just keep on happening again and again yeah, I think that's so true. And taking baby steps, you know, don't underestimate their power, right? As long as you are moving in the right direction and in the direction that you want to go, to actually be closer and to slowly to bridge that gap that has actually amassed over the years. Yeah, I think you've shared really good insights and tips on how to, you know, handle from the younger kids to older teenagers. And what you mentioned earlier about game time or boundaries, I think those are very real, especially in today's context with teens and uh, or even younger kids having so much screen time. Thank you for sharing all your valuable insights and stories today. Um, I think as parents, we really need to not underestimate the power of stories and also to give some thought as to how we can make our homes 
safer for our children, like a safe space, as you said earlier. Do you have any last words? I know you shared quite a bit, but any last uh, party words for our followers? I think just be quick to say sorry. Practice mm. it. You can practice it with your spouse first. I think basically our children need to know that their parents are not perfect. And that really helps because they are growing mm. up. They also know, they are very well aware that they also make mistakes. They just need to know that, you know, they are just travelling on the journey um, before us and uh, helps to know that your parents are also not perfect too, also growing, also mm-hmm. making improvements. I think that's great modelling for them that we are all learning together, mm-hmm. all trying to improve. What I wanted to say is that I think it's really important that we try to create a safe space in the home. I mean, oftentimes parents say, oh, why do my kids go outside? And I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong uh, finding friends and everything. But if the place that they is supposed to give them the safest space, the home, is not a safe space, then uh, the kids will wander elsewhere and they might get lost. So, I mean, as parents, I think it's really important for us to create that safe space at home. And then our kids will want to be with us in our safe space. Just to... Remember a story that I heard years ago from a taxi driver and the taxi driver was saying that every night without fail, he will work hard, but he'll go home and he'll still kiss the 16 and 17 year old kids goodnight every night. Yeah. And I said, uh, so uh, how does your kids, how, do, how is it that your kids still allow you to do something like that uh, where you hug them and kiss them? Then he said something which I always remember. He said, I've never stopped hugging and I've never stopped kissing them. That really struck me. I mean, sometimes as we, th- we think that as uh, young kids, we treat them in a certain way. And as they grow older, as a teenager, we stop doing certain things. But why? Why can we not? Why, why, why can't we treat them just like they were when they were younger? But I mean, of course, a different way of doing things. But I think kids all want love, all want acceptance. That's so true. That so true. I love that story. <laughs> I'll remember that too from now on. Thank you so much, Mark and Sue, for sharing and for taking time out to join us today. Um, For those tuning in, we hope you have benefited much from this session. We trust you have. And that now you have a better idea on how to repair um, the ruptures in your relationship with your child. Now, if your child is between 11 to 14 years old, you may be interested in this special program organized by Focus on the Family for the upcoming December holidays. Is called the SELECT Mission 1114. It is a lifetime milestone event to, to build deeper, stronger connections with your children that will hopefully carry into their teenage years. So to find out more, do visit the website at www.family.org.sg slash the select. And that's all we have for you today on our Paranet podcast. Do join us next time. <laughs>